0: Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. With us today is Dr. Andrew Schmuckler, PhD, a prize winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia, as very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk show radio host, summa cum laude, graduate of Harvard. Among many other things, he's back with us once more, where we are continuing what we started about creating a better human story with us. Andy Schmuckler, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: Doing okay. Looking forward to seeing where we go.
0: Well, you know, since the, we are we are kind of restarting after many, uh, what should I say? We we had a long delay for many reasons, but I think over that time, much in our current society has changed. So, what I want to do in this segment today is not. Not precisely move on from where we ended, but given the changes that have occurred thus far, move forward as far as where we're going. And one of the things that I've seen thus far is that in these last six to eight months, much has changed in America with respect to uh, what what we decide to call freedom what we decide to call democracy, what we decide to call fascism. It seems like the attempt is to make all this stuff nebulous. What's your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I'm I'm not sure I know what's changed since we were, it was last July. By then, the Supreme Court had already overturned Roe. Um, Since then, we did have a midterm election, um, which gave Uh, A different, slightly different cast to our sense of the electorate, Um, a move in a better direction, Uh, sufficient that being crazy and attacking our constitutional order turned out to be a negative uh, for a bunch of Republican candidates. That was that was something that changed. I've been reading a lot lately about. Um, how the war in Ukraine has changed the world.
0: Let me let me put a stop on you right there because when when I spoke about change, that is one of the things I would have hoped that you would have brought up as the most the initial thing. The switch that it seemed to have occurred that the, the people who would normally been uh, glory glory hallelujah about Ukraine are the ones who are preaching uh, pretty much isolationism if, to some extent, and the ones who normally would say be more cautious. Or a bit less cautious on Ukraine.
1: Well, my sense is that the um, that there's a pretty big consensus in our governing circles about rescuing, um, making sure that Putin doesn't win. There is that segment, uh, you know, like the Tucker Carlson and uh, uh, Matt Gates crowd. I think Matt Gates belongs there. That's um, somehow pro Putin because they. It's a right wing mentality where they uh, uh, they love the tough guy, you know, they love the f- fascistic hard fist, uh, but I think that's a minority. but what I'm talking about um, having change in the world is that the broader human civilization, or in particular in Europe, had sort of become lulled into thinking that the Problem of intersocietal anarchy had been solved. The, Europe was a continent of peace that they could simply count on. Uh, the Germans were thinking that way. The French were thinking that way. Uh, I think people who are under the shadow of Russia were less sanguine about that. But as soon as uh, Putin launched his invasion. A whole new thing started happening, at least in the European continent. And it's a reminder that we really haven't done anything very effective yet as a civilization to prevent one madman from plunging the whole of the planet into a crisis because there's nothing to stop somebody like Putin. And 30, uh, 1939, it was Hitler from plunging the war, the world into, into a war because of their own lust for power and their own craziness.
0: You know so, something, though, Andy, that I that I am always ask, because it, I, I, in a lot of ways, I wonder if uh, we put too much. We, we, we make it we we Putin is the insensiation of what you're talking about, but there there is. There is no Putin if he doesn't have a very strong back that thinks like him. Correct.
1: Well, there's no Putin unless he's in, able to become the dictator of a of a nuclear superpower. Now, you can ask what is it about the Russian history, uh, not only since the fall of the Soviet Union but over the centuries that has made it so difficult for them to get a government that isn't under the thumb of a monster i mean there's a history of some monsters i think ivan the terrible and stalin and now we got putin Uh, there was a time back in the 90s that um, we might have hoped that uh, they were on the road to something different but the nature of history and the nature of the institutions and the breakdown of institutions and the abilities of this particular guy who had a lust for power was such that somebody like him could get power, which was handed to him in 2000 by Boris Yeltsin, but he turned it into a fascist dictatorship and a kleptocracy. He had He's had over 20 years to turn it into what it is. But the vulnerability of that is is something that's built into the world. But you're right. We don't necessarily need a monster. We could get into a nuclear holocaust over Taiwan. Yes. There there are uh, threats being made by the strong man of China, who I don't see as a monster, but, you know, He does some terrible things, but I don't see him like Putin or Hitler. But he's feeling his country's strength. He's got a history behind him where the Chinese, who had always considered themselves the center of of civilization, had been humiliated for two centuries by imperialist powers. So he's got that history behind him, and he's got strength now. And he wants to, ex- to make China the superpower that it has always thought that it was, even when it was a distant memory from before the Im- European imperialists came.
0: Now, let me get a bit um, uh, controversial here with Ooh. regards, because uh, you, you switch a bit from, let's say, Ukraine and Russia to China. And with and China's- Taiwan. And Taiwan, and and China's aspiration to be a superpower, and likely regaining uh, regaining their their island, Taiwan, if you will. My question to you is the following: Right, who's really behaving like a superpower? I wonder sometimes. In well, America, let you me know, let me. The let United me explain States the been question.
1: a superpower, you know, since before you or I were born. Say that again. The United States has been a superpower. Well, I was born right. in 46. But my
0: but by question, the time
1: I was born, we were the dominant power on the planet. Right. We've thrown our weight around uh, plenty. Uh,
0: now, my my question is as follows, though, because the one of the concerns that I've had is being a person from another country myself. I'm a naturalized American citizen. I'm from Panama and not uh, disregarding United States news for a while. If we take a look at what China is doing, and by the way, this is not a defense of China or anything, because what China I think is doing many times over is being what America used to be. Examples: If like you go in to Central
1: America, for example,
0: right? Example: If you go to Nicaragua,
1: Central, Guatemala,
0: right? If you go to Central America right now, you'll or if you go to Jamaica, you'll see that the freeways being some freeways being built in Jamaica, uh, tollways. China, if you go to Argentina, China, if you go to many countries in Africa, investments in infrastructure and in social programs, and not social programs, but social infrastructure type programs throughout the world, something that America was renowned for and built its its goodwill and power base on. It seems like they are following the template as we continue to engage in other forms. Don't you think that could be problematic going forward?
1: Well. There's there's room for more than one great power.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, history shows that it is difficult uh, for uh, the world order, the international system. It's a dangerous moment when you've got a rising power and you've got a, an established power.
0: Or a and, decline in power.
1: Well, yeah, could be. Uh, I've never been all that sold on. I mean, we were so dominant after World War II, there's no way that was going to stay. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, all these other uh, countries were in ruins uh, and we weren't. But, but it, Germany and England uh, are, are the textbook example of that, where Germany was late to become a unified country. It then was industrializing and becoming mighty. And England had been, you know, the, the sun never sets on the, English, the British Empire. Uh, so World Wars I and Two are often seen in the prism of it's dangerous to have a rising power and have a, an established power. The rising power challenges Uh, the established power for its, you know, so I don't think it's impossible to negotiate that. Um, But China is now like Germany was in the late 19th, early 20th century, a rising power. And the United States is like the British Empire was uh, being challenged by something that was had a larger population, was industrializing and catching up and then some. So but the the crucial thing from my point of view is, and, and I'll go back to a, a historical cl- classic. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to ignore what you're saying about all the stuff the Chinese oh, are
0: doing. No, I won't let you ignore it because I, I want to build up on it. But go yeah. ahead.
1: Uh, uh, I mean, and we built the Panama Canal. In fact, the United States with its, uh, used its muscle uh, to establish uh, Panama because they wanted to build a canal. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think they essentially stole it from Colombia or something. Exactly.
0: Uh, yeah. the, the, the so, Francis de Lesseps treaty, yes.
1: So, so, but the fundamental, uh, there's a quotation from Thucydides. It's one of my favorites. Um, Thucydides puts this in the mouth of uh, the Athenians who are trying to boss the, the people on this island around to help them in their war against Sparta. And they say, no, just leave us alone. We don't want to get involved in your quarrels. So at least in in Thucydides, the the, uh, Athenians say to the Melians, uh, uh, you know as well as I that uh, in the world, right is a question only between equals in power. And what happens is the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they
0: must. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a so sad way to that, put it, but true.
1: That's I mean, whether whether it's the Tibetans under the 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 strong will of the Chinese regime, you know, the, the Tibet Tibetans had their own culture. They were invaded. And now the, the uh, Uyghurs is that how you pronounce the
0: people. Yeah, the Uyghurs. Being, yeah.
1: Uh, maybe genocide uh, of some kind, at least uh-huh. oppression. So the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. And that has been, to go back to things that we've discussed before, that is what inevitably emerges when a creature steps onto the path of civilization. So the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. Fortunately, in Ukraine, The strong misplayed his hand, misjudged all kinds of things. So in a way, this is a huge opportunity because we've been watching fascism rising as a power. This Putin's Russia has been the quintessential fascist regime in the world over the last couple of decades. And his miscalculation greatly weakens the force of fascism. And this is why it is really important that not only has he destroyed as much as he has of his own country and his own country's reputation and his country's economy and his country's... Uh, but the reputation is going to take a long time to to repair. But it is important that the, that the power of democracy demonstrate itself. And democracy is, by the way, in my book, One of the key solutions to that problem that Thucydides put into the mouth of the Athenians. If you don't have a democracy where the government is answerable to the people, what you get is the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. And that's what Trump has represented in our country and continues to represent. And even though that midterm election gave us grounds for optimism, that the, that the electorate, enough of the rep- people who would have voted Republicans rejected people like those those uh, election deniers in Arizona and Pennsylvania and New New, New Hampshire. Nonetheless, I just read today a, a poll that says. Trump is leading Biden if there's those two. I don't know what to make of that. But we're
0: not out of the woods is all I'm saying. We're, we're, well, I mean, we're definitely not out of the woods. And that is something that we really need to consider. And we also need to consider who and why uh, Trump is getting that sort of a vote. The, the, all votes aren't equal. And if you take a look at let's let's go ahead and look back at the 2020 election. Those people who voted for Donald Trump, uh, while while the folks who voted against fascism looked like the multicultural country we would hope America would have already evolved to. The Trump voter didn't look like that. And you had to wonder why so many thought it necessary to vote for the likely most incompetent person ever, uh, ever, ever having given power or ever aspiring to power. There is another cancer that I think we have to examine, and I'd like to bring that as the next question to you. Because again, there is in fact a cancer in this country among a particular sect for what I would call non-existent fears that are somehow cauterized in their minds. How do we solve that problem?
1: Well, you know that I'm a guy who spent a lot of years thinking about what's going on? Um, I first saw this thing rising back in 1992 when I first heard Rush Limbaugh on the radio, and then when Newt Gingrich uh, uh, showed who, us who he was, I didn't. I didn't see that at first, but. Uh, And then in two thousand, since two thousand and four, I've been working full time because I see this thing rising. And I ran for Congress, as you said, you know, and in a very red district. So, um, uh, I and I write a op-ed column every week uh, that appears in that red uh, in two newspapers: uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, and my northern end of the Shenandoah Valley. So I'm continually thinking about. Um, what I think you mean by the cancer, which is that something like 70 million of our fellow citizens voted for a guy. You said he was incompetent. I wish that were all it was. You know, <laughs> uh, I've written about how Trump has an uncanny ability to make anything into something we have to fight over. Even a pandemic, you know, he used to divide us. Right. And he has an uncanny ability in general to do and say things that make the world more broken. So if he was just incompetent, I, I actually, you know, I think he's a genius in some ways. There's nobody in my lifetime in America who's had such a profound impact on the country. Just being incompetent doesn't get you that. That's you got to be competent true. at something. That's very true. So anyway, so the question is, my neighbors—you you deal with them as neighbors, and they're—they're they're good people, you know. As good people to do business with, good people to have as neighbors. If you get stuck with a flat tire, or, you know, good people in their churches. And yet they vote for the very opposite. Why? Okay. What I want to say is, as a guy who's been like full time trying to understand the human world since oh, 1965 for sure, but really before that, even in high school, I have never worked so hard to to understand what I see. I wrote a recent piece to a guy that I have interactions with online who comes up to take issue with the way I'm representing the political force that he 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 supports. And he's offended when I use the word fascistic to describe the Republican Party he supports. I wrote a column saying, I understand why that offends you. Let me tell you what my experience is of our interaction. My main experience is I am astonished. I am to- in total puzzlement mm-hmm. how a person that I can see through our interactions has a great intelligence, can believe things that are absolutely unbelievable, patently unbelievable, and how a person of, he's very civil. He's a gentleman. I know something about his background. I, I appreciate the guy. I would have loved to have been working in national security uh, circles with him. He's a military guy. But he's he's such a decent guy, and my wife and I are actually going to have him and another Republican couple over for dinner uh, next month on St. Patrick's Day. How can a decent guy like him support something which is so patently indecent by all the standards that Americans had a consensus on. Now, I've written probably 20 essays answering questions about how how people like a person like Trump could have, but I'm not satisfied. I'm still mystified. And that's what I wrote in this thing. I've never worked so hard on a problem and been so dissatisfied with my ability to. to it's 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 as if there are switches in the human mind. They can switch on or switch off, where he where where people can bring into their political life a completely different being, absent any critical abilities, somehow drawn to something dark and destructive, when in the rest of their lives, they're operating in a different way.
0: Let let me let me let me pa- uh, posit something because I think many find it very difficult to look at folks to look at quote unquote decent people adopting indecent ideas, adopting indecent actions as being mutually exclusive from them not being. Decent. And I think in a lot of ways, that's in my humble opinion, it's a cop out. In other words,
1: I, I didn't quite understand what you oh, well, let, me, other Words, Yeah, let yeah. me
0: let me explain. Um, the fact that you are willing to describe a decent person, and, and by the way, I do it as well. Okay. We all do it. Describe a decent person who has actions that create indecent outcomes. As remaining decent is what in effect allowed them to do that look let, let me before you answer, let me go a bit further because this is rather important and serious um, much of what uh, notice i didn't use things like race or 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 in, 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 in my further in my previous explanations, and I, I purposefully didn't do that but the reason i I do it now is to point out that there are many who feel a bit of distress that some sort of equity is coming and maybe to some been felt that it's at their expense,
1: like the white that majority becoming do, a minority. Say that again? like the white majority being afraid of becoming a minority
0: or not only becoming a minority but having to be on equal terms. In other words, oh, yeah. uh, it is it, it, I, mean, I think I don't think it's about being a minority in south in South Africa there was a white minority in power forever, and they right. felt fine, yeah,
1: certainly, yeah,
0: but in America, I don't think I people think it's about the uh, the minority thing. I don't think it's a minority it, well, thing it
1: dominance it's dominance
0: it's dominance, okay. yeah, it, it, and
1: in a democracy, especially if you disenfranchise the people of color, which uh, was a big part of the picture, right in a democracy being, you know, a white Christian country meant white Christians could dominate.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So you're right. It's not a matter of uh, I don't want to see any faces different from me. It's I don't want people who are not on my side having a say.
0: Exactly, and I think, I, and I, I think there is a basic dishonesty in, and I'm not. Spe- I'm speaking about myself as well in the way I articulate things in the way you articulate things, in the way other great progressives articulate things, and not really often hitting it at the core. Look, it is okay to feel a discomfort of what you are not used to. But then allowing that discomfort to have you do indecent things I think it's problematic and it's something I think both you and I have to get away from.
1: Well, get away from, I I don't know. Well, you know, let me talk about the concept of brokenness.
0: Okay, Uh, that that actually plays very well into this discussion. Right. And we only have about 10 minutes to discuss that. So bring that that it would be great for you to tie that in, because I think that concept that you spoke about brokenness a while back is so very important. Imagine
1: you have people who live in a world in which for the last 10,000 years, the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. Right. Imagine that playing out in infinite ways all across the civilized world. Imagine what the experience of people is like, what happens to people, how they get traumatized, how they get broken, how they they get raised to meet the demands of a civilization that's about power and not about meeting human needs. All that brokenness ramifying through the centuries and even the millennia. And you get to the people, you know. I'm not going to be attached to the idea of, okay. I'm going to call this guy that we're going to have over for dinner. He's a decent guy, even if he supports the Republican Party. Uh, It's just words. Here's what I see. I see that there is a part of this guy that I can interact with that I feel a lot of appreciation for. And I can see that there's a brokenness in him. So that he can be a patriot, which I'm sure he is. I mean, he shows that in countless ways. A patriot who would vote for a guy who sacrificed American national security to get the Ukrainians to investigate Biden, who 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 sacrificed the country so we had more than hundred thousand extra deaths because all he cared about was his political advantage. No patriot would support that. But there's a brokenness. Where he can hold one set of beliefs out here. And, you know, going back to the issue of race, there's been a brokenness in American culture for uh, forever. Since its
0: inception.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've got the same guy who wrote all men are created equal. Endowed with certain inalienable rights by their Creator. And then he lives off of the labor of slaves. Exactly. Uh, and, and we've got these gentlemen in the South who are owners of big plantations, real gentlemen who were willing to go to embark on a a, a catastrophic war rather than submit to the constitutional order that they had dominated for several generations at that point because they weren't willing to give up their uh, right to expand the empire of their slave system. That's a gentleman. There's brokenness You know, there's a brokenness that is in the larger system where you've got somebody like Putin able to play an outsized role. One of the things I say about civilization is that the spirit of the gangster has had a disproportionate say in how civilization evolves. And then you've got brokenness in the form of what we've been talking about in the American electorate, that we've got people who sincerely will tell you about their Christian values who will then support something, behaves completely the opposite of everything that Jesus taught about uh, uh, how we're supposed to treat one another. That kind of, how do you, you ask, how do you heal it? Well, I've watched this thing grow. I mean, the conservatives of the 1980s and the Republican electorate of today have moved very deep into the dark and broken place. It took a long time to get there. People like Rush Limbaugh and Fox News—they've been poisoning their minds, getting them to pay attention to things that aren't even real. While their pockets are getting picked and the and, and healthcare is being denied them, and and they're being their kids are being subject to repeated mass killings, and the list would go on. They have been lured into almost a hypnotic state. Where something which is the opposite of their Christian constitutional, patriotic values and their values of good character is able to manipulate them to support
0: brother, that. Dr oh. Dr. Schmuckler. This is an extremely great place for us to end. This particular episode, because next episode, we're going to move on on that uh, to expand on the brokenness, which you have spoken about before in the context where we've just spoken, because it's an I think if we crack that nut. We are moving forward. So tell us a little bit before we close here. um, Why do you have such faith in the human story creating a better human story and how do we go from here we'll we'll take most of this up on the other episode but why so deep into the human story
1: well when i say a better human story which was the phrase i use in our first uh, interview and that got you excited it's not just that it can be a better story the story that i tell has some good news in it and the, I, I've got a series on my website. I hope you'll, you'll post the link to it. Uh, the second uh, uh, entry in the series has a title. The ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. I feel that, you know, my life's work, the idea on which I've built on the, uh, for over a half century now, I think pretty well proves that it is a systemic force that gets unleashed inherently if a creature takes the unprecedented step of stepping out of the natural order onto the path of civilization, inventing its way of life, rather than being in the niche in which it evolved biologically. It, it, that means that when we look at human history, whether we're looking at the ugliness in the world right now, like in Ukraine, or whether we look at the pages of human history of all the tyrannies and wars and enslavements, et cetera, et cetera. What we're seeing is what human beings have become in a world in which a social evolutionary force was driving it, not human choice. We are better creatures than we have thought. That's the good news in that idea.
0: Dr. Andrew Smuckler, thank you so kindly for having been once again on Politics Done Right. This will continue over and over again. You have much to offer to the discussion. Thank you.